Hey everybody, welcome back to the Daily Objective. We have, uh, we've got me, Rucka, and of course, the academic, the writer, the man of Greece, but who's not very greasy at all. His name is Nikos Sotikarapolis, and today we've got close. a special guest. Very close. Today we have a special guest. Uh, this is a guy who, let me tell you, when me and Nikos go through our fan mail, when we go through those boxes, people always tell us, you guys are internet celebrities. What's that like? You guys are heroes. We always say, we are not heroes. The people on TV, now those are the heroes. <laughs> Please welcome a man, he's actually, he's actually on TV. He plays Lucifer himself, Mark Pellegrino. How you doing? What's up guys? Uh, so let, let me uh, start us on a negative <laughs> note. Have you ever found that your uh, politics or philosophy, that the views that you express have hindered your career? Um, up until the last uh, two or three months ago, I would say no, because people don't know how to classify me as, they don't know how to classify me in the typical spectrum that, that we get out there as, as being, uh, you know, political left or right. Uh, the last three months, um, however, I've noticed a precipitous drop in my following on Twitter. Uh, 15,000 followers gone. I don't know if that's Twitter trying to edit my message or if it's people who are just tired of the Liberty, uh, Liberty message right now and the Reason message right now and they're sort of hopping on the status bandwagon. I don't know. And I don't know how that's going to affect me in the future. I, I, uh, I, I definitely passed on an article by Dr. Michael Hurd, who's critical of Black Lives Matter, way back when. Um, you know, initially when they started exposing uh, police brutality videos, I was posting these videos. And then once they came out with their Marxist agenda and started building their reputation on a lie, I, I, I just dropped the bomb on them. And now it's, of course, politically incorrect to be on that side of the, of the aisle. And uh, I don't know if that's going to come back and bite me and jeopardize my job uh, prospects in the future. But so far, it's affecting me on social media. Well, that's unfortunate. Nikos, what you got for us? So the interesting thing is that, and I want Mark to explain it to me because I don't really get it. So you would expect that in the Hollywood where you have people who are very, very rich, people who have achieved stuff, people who should have you know, a lot of pride, a lot of self-esteem. I'm not saying that you would expect it to be a bastion of, I don't know, reason and individual agency and all that stuff. But at least you'd expect something like a 50-50 split. And yet we see that more and more and more, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Hollywood seems to have this element of groupthink. And we see it quite often on official ceremonies, like in the Oscars, where everyone is expected actually to deliver a political speech. And the only dissent that I remember is, if you remember in these awards, I think in 2016, where Vince Vaughn and, uh, and uh, who was the, the guy who was playing Braveheart? My mind is stuck. Uh, Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. They had this, this, this face of kind of disdain. And that's, that's the biggest type of uh, that's the biggest type of reaction you've seen or the biggest type of an opposite voice that we that we've seen in Hollywood so how do you explain it that Hollywood is almost like the academia like it's as possible to find dissenting or loud dissenting voice in academia as it is in Hollywood but in a way you'd expect that this would not be the case so how do you how do you explain that well I think that academia rejected reason a long time ago and uh, Sidney Pollack said it best when he tried to describe 
uh, actor's politics as primarily leading to the left when he said, you know, actors are kids. They they work with their emotions primarily. And so when you have an academic world that has uh, rejected uh, reason and you have artists that live by their instincts and their feelings and are not getting a correction from the ap academic world or even the culture at large, that reason should be the standard by which they judge everything. Well, then they're going to gravitate, I think, towards the political messages uh, that emotionalism and uh, that emotionalism gravitates towards, and that's and that's the collective. If you don't have a brain of your own, you go by feelings. The collective becomes your brain, right? And you just immerse yourself in the the feeling of oneness and of being with the group. So it's not surprising to me that these actors have uh, these artists have have ingested the poison of the culture from the very from the very top. And how do you explain opinion. that? Back in the day, there was a problem in Hollywood was, or an issue in Hollywood was the supposed or very real uh, campaigns, for example, to try to unmask who was a communist or who would pass anti-American messages. <clears throat> and then something intervenes and we find ourselves in a completely different world. And you could, you could hear some conservative cultural warriors such as Breitbart when he was, when the late Andrew Breitbart or Ben Sapiro who said that this is actually an attack on the Christian values. This is an attack on conservative values. Now we could say as people sympathetic to objectivists that for example, there's nothing wrong in portraying a gay couple on a TV series because it's representative of what's happening out there. But do you think that Hollywood has something like a political project as the conservatives argue does? Or do you think it is just the default position that whenever you look around, you get the same messages and it is to be expected that someone in Hollywood will also absorb this? Or do you think there's like an quote agenda there? I think it's a bit of a combination of the two. I think, I think academ academia has a, a definite agenda and, and, and their language permeates the culture. And then that language and the orientation uh, sort of becomes by osmosis, a part of that culture. I don't think Hollywood intentionally, it, sometimes they do intentionally project uh, a political agenda, but for the most part, I think they're, they're more or less reflecting an, an ethics, a, a, a sense of what is right. And they get, they get that from what the culture is telling them. The culture gets that from when the intellectuals are telling them. There, there's, there's uh, they're not independently evaluating these things. They're more or less just creating narratives around them. And I don't know whether it's because they think it's going to be more popular or, or sell more of their product to people, uh, whatever their orientation is, um, most of them aren't sophisticated enough to, to create, uh, to, to project an agenda with a long-term uh, with a long-term goal of either undermining or overturning something in society. I just think they're going along with the with the wave, whatever that wave is. Does that make sense? It makes sense, yeah. Uh, Raka, do you also want to talk a bit about this idea of representation, that when you watch, for example, a film or TV, you want someone who is the same identity with you in order to feel, quote, represented. So do you have comments about that? I mean, there's something right about it, kind of like if, you know, if I never see anyone who looks like me on a screen, I start to wonder if it's intentional. But 
the way it's usually uh, expressed and and pushed, it's it's sort of like a uh, artistic version of the lobby system where everybody has a, their community and that community needs to have a voice and it's this sort of like system of influence and pull. So, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, are you an individual or are you part of this community? Do you identify as part of this community as a means to overcome uh, and get rid of problems so that you can then be an individual or is this community your final stop? That's what I would ask. It's hard, so, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to relate to that that idea because I don't identify myself with my race. So I could watch something like the Equalizer or the Book of Eli and admire the heroic characters that Denzel Washington brings to the brings brings right there. I could see you know the the, the walking in strength and 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 faith that's projected in in the book of Eli or in the equalizer the sense of justice and fairness that he that he projects in fighting for people who are you know victims of of these criminal elements that's beautiful i love that i i get i get emotional and spiritual strength from watching that that's why i watched them those movies multiple times it doesn't matter that denzel's black um and i think it's I mean, I, I get, I, I get it, I guess. There's people who would say because I'm immersed in a white culture that um, I don't notice that kind of thing. Like a fish doesn't notice that it's in water, but I just, I just have never ever identified with color as a heroic aspect of human nature or human being or character. So I don't know, it's so, it's so foreign to me to think that way. They, they would I, say that's white privilege speaking. You're correct to, uh, to uh, expect that. Actually, I yeah. will take it a step further, though. I will say that not only there's no need to do this, to expect to be, quote, represented, I would say there's some almost, almost <coughs> racist or paternalistic parochialism. And let me give you an example. There was a fashion some years ago, I don't know if it's still around, it probably is, which said, for example, we need to make Shakespeare or the ancient Greek tragedies relevant to people from different minorities or different, different backgrounds. And the way they would do this is they would change, for example, the protagonist or they would change uh, the, the language. For example, I've seen, I've seen a performance of Antigone, which is more like an urban R&B kind of stuff. So different stories, supposedly the same thing. And my problem with this is this basically indicates that people from different groups are lacking the, the, the ability to understand the original message. And how horrible is that? Like the beautiful of ancient Greek, the beauty of ancient Greek tragedy is this universal message that it doesn't matter whether Antigone is young or old, whether she's a woman, you could easily imagine her as, as, as basically any, any human figure with agency. And yet today in the name of inclusivity, which is again, a different name for, for, for saying, we, for parochialism, you say, no, 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 you can't, you can't appreciate it, or you can't appreciate Ghostbusters if you don't have in the screen people who look like you. And so, A, I have a philosophical problem, but B, I don't understand why they're doing it since it doesn't seem to really pay. So the question is, aren't the big studios at the very end of the day businesses? So wouldn't it, does this idea that says you go woke, you, you go broke, if there is truth to it, why do they still do it? Look, I, I, I feel like um, I feel like we're just witnessing the conception.
intellectual breakdown of society, right? Like I said before, uh, the intellectuals rejected reason. And when you reject reason, concepts uh, go out the window and what's concretely in front of you, the perceptual reality that's in front of you becomes the most important thing. Antigone is about someone who fights injustice. She stands up against a, a king and, and to, for her brother, for, the, for, for, what, for, the, for righteousness and for what's right. That is a powerful message, standing up against arbitrary authority. But um, it will, the, the material forces you to stretch yourself conceptually, just like reading Shakespeare forces you to stretch yourself conceptually. And people are not capable of that when, they're, when the academics have, have disintegrated their conceptual faculty. That's one thing. And, and yes, I think, uh, I, I think the, the, the soft message here, the, 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 the implicit message is that other cultures are inferior and cannot reach for the material and as a teacher as a teacher i've always felt i'm not i'm not about i'm not going to stoop to you my student it's not my responsibility to be down with you i am better than you i know more than you and you must reach for me and if you can't do that get out of my class and if you can't reach for antigone or if you can't reach for hamlet go away and the interesting thing is that if you see the curriculum, for example, from schools or universities from 100 years ago, they were way more difficult, way, way more difficult. So as you said, if you put the bar high, people will at least, they're going to take you seriously. They're going to say, here's a guy who takes me seriously and expects me to reach out. When you bring the bar lower and lower and lower, then the message is, well, no one is to expect too much. But... Raka, do you have a do you do you also have a comment on something else which is very common when we discuss Hollywood? And the, it's this whole idea about hedonism, <coughs> and this idea that Hollywood is this corrupt kingdom. It's how how is this phrase in Star Wars? I've never seen a place with so you know with with so with, so, with such a corruption. So I'm going to ask both of you. The one as you you both are around these circles. So do you think there's something special in the supposed, the supposed from what conservatives say, moral corruption in Hollywood? Or is this more like a myth and it's more like people being envious of successful people having a great time? Uh, it's probably both. I mean, there definitely is envy. I mean, people still, they do glamorize uh, LA. Like they think the Playboy Mansion is like the promised land and like somehow, uh, all of your problems go away as soon as you step inside. But, uh, but also there is definitely a, there's a lot, there is, well, there's a lot of moral grandstanding in LA, like everyone, but the problem is the moral code that most people hold is, is coming straight out of the universities. So it is ultimately nihilistic and egalitarian in the bad sense of the word uh, that is smashing values and reducing everyone down to zero. Um, and then uh, how does that manifest? You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the book, We the Living, when uh, one of the communists, he's, he's drunk and he's saying, oh, I'll, I, I've got the best alcohol. Those bourgeoisie, they can't get alcohol as good as me. Like you kind of see his true colors when he's drunk. And that's kind of how a lot of people in L.A. are like they, they try to present themselves as pure and like they're not concerned with superficialities and they're just out to uh, fight injustice and to be the hero that the world needs. But you get that, you get a little bit of cocaine and alcohol in them. You give them a giant mansion with, uh, 
with no accountability that they can see. And you, you kind of see that they're uh, kind of insane. That's a good point because a lot of people are saying, oh, they don't really mean it. For example, DiCaprio doesn't really mean the envir his environmental stuff. My fear is they actually do mean it. So I would, in a way, I would prefer, quote, prefer someone who would do this grandstand and say, well, you know, I'm... But my, my, my fear is that, as Mark said, these things are so deep into our common understanding of the world that I, I think that they do expect it. So, so, Mark, are these people then at the end of the day uh, hypocrites? And uh, if you scratch under surface, this is like the kingdom of corruption? Or is something else happening? Well, I think like Rucka said, it, it's, it's sort of a combination of, of things. Uh, on the one hand, I do think that if, if you hold certain values to be ideal and you never live up to those ideals, take Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a rabid environmentalist, but he travels around in private jets and probably has a bigger environmental footprint than any 3,000 human beings. Um, and that fact that he does nothing to actually flatten that curve, um, what, do you what do you think that does when you hold a certain stated set of values yet live another way? Well, it's got to produce a self-esteem issue in you that you try to overcome by being the loudest virtue signaler in the room. So in many ways, you have these poor folks who are, are split with the mind-body dichotomy. They hold values that are incompatible with success or their own lifestyles. And that creates a tension within them that makes them have to, to, um, to compromise somewhere down the line. In many respects, it's compromising with the crowd to make them feel like they're, once again, they belong because they're alienated within themselves. Their values and their actions don't, don't, don't match with each other. And look, and the very same envy that many of the right-wing conservatives throw at them, the same classism that the that the left is, is inured in, um, affects these people as well. You gotta remember they're multimillionaires for doing something that six-year-olds do on a daily basis. We play, we play games, we pretend to be other people. It's fantastic, it's really hard work, but do they think that? On a certain level, I think they feel because, because they've ingested the, the pavlum of, you know, uh, it, it's easier for, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle and a rich man to go to heaven, there's a guilt and anxiety over their wealth that they try to make up for by, by, uh, by flagellating themselves in public. And um, in, in a, what you said about the mind-body dichotomy, it reminded me basically a Christian Catholic who is really devoted, for example, to the religion, but at the same time, he feels this urge, let's say, for another woman. Let's say he got married at 18, he didn't know what he was doing. And this makes him feel really, really <coughs> bad. And the, the end result of this is saying, look, two things could be happening. Either I am evil, or the alternative is there is no morality. And both are destructive. So I really liked what you said, that if you follow an ideology which is impossible to actually follow, then you find yourself in this, in this unbridgeable chasm. And the last question I have for, for both of you who are creative, creative people. So, and just to go with the title. So how do you fight for freedom, A, in a hostile environment, but B, I want the final words to be something that brings forward the moral and the heroic 
kind of element of, of art, of artistic creation. And I'm thinking figures, for example, one of my favorite figures in Atlas Shrugged is Kay Ladlow, the, art, the, the actress. I mean, we don't see a lot of her, but, but the way Rand portrays her is, is, is that, no, what you're doing is something very, very moral. And actually she puts her on the same level with giants of industry and science and creation. So the last two- Hey, last she's two, married to a pirate, so come on. She's, <laughs> I didn't want to give spoiler, but <laughs> that's, that's true. So how can A, someone in a way lead by example, by being an artist and having this heroic kind of vision and heroic endeavors, but how can you do this in an environment which is very, very hostile? And I'm jealous, not jealous, I'm interested in this because as an academic, I'm also operating in a quote, hostile environment. You want to go first, Draka? Sure. Uh, I mean, it, um, if you're a writer, anybody out there, I would say write characters that are strong, <laughs> that stand by their conviction. I mean, that's a powerful thing, especially for young people, but really for anyone. Uh, that changes the world. Um, and then if you can have those convictions be rational, obviously, that's, uh, you know, that's, that would be excellent as well. Um, I mean, stand by what you believe and do your job well and, uh, you know, be the guy, as, as I like to say, be that guy. People look at you, then they want what you have. You know, you can preach at people all day, but explicit philosophy isn't going to convince them unless you speak to their values. So be that guy. That's, that's all. I like that. Yeah, I would say, how do you, how do you fight for these values in a culture that is, is, pretty much stacked 100% against you, you just don't give up. You have to understand that these, uh, these folks are relentless. Their negativism is relentless. And right now they smell blood in the water because everybody is capitulating to them. And not giving up is a heroic characteristic. Um, and you risk a lot by not giving up. Um, you risk a lot by not... By not uh, getting on your knees and apologizing for crimes you didn't commit. You do risk a lot by, by doing that. But in the end, you're, you're very heroic. And hopefully you have, hopefully you have the talent of a Sorkin or a Neil, Neil Gaiman or somebody, uh, somebody out there uh, who, can, who can put together a, a, a project and tell a narrative in a complex way that has your values uh, nestled in that narrative so that it, it becomes a voice now, an alternative voice in, in the uh, culture. The only way you can do that is by not stopping. So these are, this is a good way to, to kind of lead to a good and productive weekend. But Raka, I will leave to you the last word and maybe to Mark, because you're the good guy in, in, in last words, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know... It's, um, it's, it's like I always tell people, uh, you got to have a positive. You cannot just point out what's wrong with the left. You can't just point out what's wrong with the world. You got to have an alternative to offer. That's always an indispensable element. And beyond that, I can just say, yeah, Mark, you know, if Hollywood does end up punishing you for who you are, you'll always have a place with us on Facebook Live. <laughs> Oh, that's such a relief. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you very, very much, uh, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to my co-host, Raka. So next week, we're back with more interesting topics, more interesting guests. Uh, I have to say this was probably one of my favorite episodes. I really enjoyed it. I took a lot out of it. 
Thank you very much. Many thanks to our viewers and see you all next week. See yeah. you.